great to be with you this morning. Uh, honored that you're here today. God bless all of you. Those in here, those out in the parking lot, those who are listening on the internet. I did hear from a dear friend who lives in Myrtle Beach and he listens every Sunday morning to us. And we're So I give a shout out to Leo and uh, no doubt others who are listening today. I've heard from several. We have people that live over and uh, listen from Lake Kiwee and uh, Ohio and other places. So we're glad that all are listening today. But I'm glad you're here. Great crowd today. Thank you for being here this morning. I want to begin with a story, true story. Not just a preacher story, but a true story. It's told by a man named Dr. Daniel Poling, who was a writer and an editor. And he tragically lost a son in World War II. His son was one of four chaplains who drowned, who died, when the ship, the Dorchester, was torpedoed at the very beginning of World War II. Those who survived recounted that those four chaplains all gave up their life vests, they called them life belts in those days, to those who did not have them. And those survived, and the four chaplains did not. But Poling tells that his son had written the family a letter prior to his, prior to his embarking. And the son said this, now listen, dear family, he said, I know I shall have your prayers for which I'm grateful, but don't pray simply that God will keep me safe for war is a dangerous business. Please pray that God would make me adequate. Well, that young man's Prayer is an indictment as well as an example for all of us. For we desperately need to look for that maturity that says, God, just make me adequate. Lord, I know in and of myself I'm not, but God, through you, would you make me adequate to serve you? Many of us are not quite that mature, are we? We want the blessings without the burden of commitment. We want power, but we don't want putting Christ first. We want salvation without sacrifice. We want revival without repentance. It's my prayer today that we would be adequate for the service of the Lord and live in such a way and do that which we need to do so that we might be adequate for His service. We get so caught up in our personal needs and our personal wants. God, give me this. God, give me that. We fail to see what we really need to ask for so that we might be adequate. And our text for today tells us, as Paul commends two fellow laborers, Timothy, and here's a good name. I've never heard anybody name their child after this one, but you should, or if you can, uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus. How come we've never heard that one, huh? Got a lot of Timothys, but just nobody named Pappy or Epaphroditus. But in his commendation of these two fellow workers, we see some powerful examples for all of us. Powerful examples. So look with me to our text for today. It's found in the latter portion of chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 19, 
going all the way to verse 30. And you may think, well, this is somewhat of a kind of a portion of the letter that's not as deeply spiritual, but I assure you that it is. Beginning with verse 19, chapter 2. It says, Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may also be encouraged when I hear news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. They all seek their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know, look at verse 22, you know his proven character because he served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I can see how things go with me. And I'm convinced in the Lord that I myself will also come quickly. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother. Now look at how he called, he describes this man. My brother, my co-worker, my fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my needs. Since he has been longing for you all, and he was distressed because he heard that you were sick, that you heard he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have one grief on top of another. For this reason, look at verse 28. I'm very eager to send him so that you may rejoice when you see him again, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with all joy. Welcome him with the Lord and hold him Hold men like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his very life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Well, here the Bible tells of the sending of Timothy first and later of Epaphroditus. Timothy was sent to the church of Philippi and for the church of Philippi that he might help them, that he might take care of some of the problems they were having of unity, of grumbling, of disunity. And he was saying, please, listen to him because he's going to help you. He's a man I trust. I'm sending him to you so that your situation will become better. And that when I get the report, it'll make me very glad and it would encourage me. So as we look closely at what Paul said about Timothy and Epaphroditus, let us see some characteristics which we desperately need in the 21st century which we desperately need if we're going to be adequate. Thus the title of the message, God, make me adequate. First of all, adequacy in Christian service demands a person of true sympathy. Sympathy. Now I've teased with you before, I've talked with you before about the fact that I may not be the most merciful person in this congregation. Does anybody doubt that? Please raise your hand. Somebody raise your hand. Uh, Thank you, John. But you know I'm not. You know I'm not. I I really am not. Now I try. And I need to try more. Because you see when a person is truly sympathetic. What do they do? They love someone. They feel for that person. They feel with that person. Empathy as well as sympathy. Feeling with them. Feeling for them. They feel their pain. And that's what he says in verse 20. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interest. 
Timothy would care about them. And so what a great commendation Paul gave to Timothy that he would care for them, not just for his own interest. Timothy did manifest a self unselfish kind of spirit. He manifested in a powerful way, Paul said already. He gave of himself. Look at both 20 and 21. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And we know his sympathy was creative. It was appropriate. It was true. And genuine sympathy is like that. It's naturally caring for people. I've told you before. There are times when we should be quiet and provide more of the ministry of presence than the words that we often try to give to people. I was reminded even this week of someone who was less than comforted by someone who had said some things. And the best thing you can do is just go be there for someone. Well, Paul commended Timothy as a man who would care for others more than he would care for himself. Oftentimes when we go care for somebody, we're looking for an opportunity. Well, let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you how I struggled. Let me tell you about my problems. And the person's dying inside because they need somebody to love them, someone to care for them, someone just to be there for them. Adequacy in Christian service demands a person who's truly sympathetic. It issues from a concern to care for that which God cares for. And that's why Paul said in 21, he cares about you because he cares about what Jesus Christ cares about. Oh, my friends, I've commended to you before the Christian video series, The Chosen. And some of you have listened to me and thanked me for doing what I ask you to do. But one of the last episodes is the leper. And this leper comes upon the band of disciples. And they're frightened to death because the leper is a terrible person to stay away from. You you could catch it, they thought. And indeed, Hansen's disease, it is called, is indeed, um, you can catch it after prolonged personal interaction. You can't just catch it in a, a casual kind of hello, kind of like COVID. But it was a debilitating disease. I have, by the way, been to a leper colony. I went with a physician friend of mine on a mission trip to Obomashaw, Nigeria once. And while there, someone, I don't remember who nor why, said, I'm going to take you to a place you've never been to before and took me to a leper colony. And I shook the hands of men who had no fingers because they had fallen off because of leprosy. No, I did not catch it. Uh, They are medicated now and therefore unable to give the disease to anyone else. But I'll never forget it. But in that episode, Jesus comes upon the leper, one of the disciples, violent one. Don't know who that would be in, in this instance. But he pulls out his knife. He's ready to stab the leper to keep him away from Jesus. And they say, don't get near him. Don't breathe his air. Because they felt like the air, the fumes, the vapors were contagious. Of course, Jesus, what do you think Jesus did? He hugs the man. He touches the man. He heals this man. Jesus felt for people and felt with people. And Paul is saying, young Timothy's like that. He will care for you because he cares about that which Jesus Christ cares for. To be a 
person who's adequate in serving God, you got to say, am I sympathetic enough? Am I truly a person of genuine sympathy who wants to help someone who's truly in need? The second thing we see this morning is that adequacy in Christian service demands a selfless spirit. Now, let me tell you this. I, I, I have witnessed to some of you even recently, I've talked to you, and we've talked about becoming a Christian. And I want you to give your lives to Christ. But I know, and you know, that it's not just a one-time, everything fix its prayer. It's just not that way. We bring baggage into the kingdom of God, don't we? Because we all have it. And it takes a while. Someone said God does the saving, but He also has to take time. Uh, he catches the fish, but He has to clean the fish. And it takes a while to clean up the fish. And it's true, some of us take more cleaning than others. And longer time in doing so, right? You can't just become a person of true sympathy and a person of selfless spirit overnight. It is a process. But here he commends Timothy for his selflessness. Look at verse 21. He's giving him the highest commendation when he says that he will care for the interest of Jesus Christ. He would seek the things that are Christ. He would always look for the highest good. And Paul is pointing out here, and he pointed it out already in the chapter 1 that we've studied, that not everybody was that way. Now, Paul could have sent a number of people to the Philippian church, but there were many that were looking out for their own interest. They were not there to take care of the Philippians. They were there to somehow seek some self-aggrandizement. Long word. They wanted to feel better about themselves. They were going for something that would make them feel better. But Paul says that's not the way Timothy is. He's not coming there for his own. He's coming there to help you. And it's going to help me as he helps you. It's going to make me feel much better to know that I'm sending somebody that I trust. Somebody that's going to do what needs to be done for your good, but ultimately for the good of Christ. Timothy manifests a selflessness that is profound. Many people had gotten so engrossed in themselves, they had no time for the important work of the Lord. And let me tell you, that's the way it is in our modern day world. When I was pastoring here before, I'll never forget, I went down to Greenville Memorial. I think it's got a fancy name now, Prisma or something. But I went down to visit the hospital as I often did. Yes, I know some of you would say, well, didn't Dr. Jimmy Harley do all your visiting for you? I know Dr. Perfect, was that was his job to do pastoral care and hospital visits. Why? Because he's a lot better at it than I was. You think I'm being self-deprecating? No, he really was better at it than I was. First of all, he got up earlier than I did. And he always looked better than I did. And he's just so sweet. I, I try, I try to get up to that level. But I was going to the hospital that day, thank you very much, to try to be sympathetic to somebody that was hurting. In fact, some people would say, boy, I hope preacher, don't, I hope Frank Page don't come see me because that means I'm dying. <laughs> it's not true. But I was on my way. And a fellow pastor stopped me. I could just see the look in his face. I said, brother, what's wrong? He said, I'm just about to quit. 
He said, my people don't care anything about doing the work of the Lord. It's all about what can I do for them. I said, oh brother, don't be discouraged. But he was. We stopped right there in the parking lot and had a prayer time. I tried to encourage him. Read an article recently and I shared it with our deacons. We got some fine deacons. Not real good looking, but they're fine. Just love to tease deacons. And they tease me, by the way. I shared with them an article that said during the COVID year. Boy, wasn't that quite a year? Somebody said, why are we good in March again? Wasn't March pretty bad last year? Why would we do it again? During COVID, statistics show that pastors say criticism, negativity has increased sixfold during COVID. And the article was entitled, Whether You Know It or Not, Your Pastor Is Thinking About Quitting. He's had it. He's had enough. The majority of pastors said during COVID it got worse, not better. And they're thinking about just giving it up. Well, there are a lot of people who are self-centered, self-focused. And oh, by the way, I'm not among that number. Just FYI. But we must be truly adequate. How? How? By possessing a selflessness. We must be truly adequate by possessing a spirit that is not lifting up self but is constantly lifting up the things of God. In 1 Chronicles 22, I don't know if you remember, but it's a time when David was told by the Lord, you're not going to build a temple. Now David could have sulked for five years. He could have said, well, why not me? I'm better than anybody. I'm a man after God's own heart. He could have said that. Then he, wouldn't have to been, then he would not have been a man after God's own heart. But instead of sulking and complaining and saying, woe is me, do you know what David did? He began collecting material so that his son could build the temple. And he made it his life's ambition that when the boy got ready to build the temple, Solomon did, they did everything he needed. Manifesting what? A selflessness that says, I want to take care of you. I want to do what I can Instead of just looking at me, let's do what we can. And not only is that kind of selfless experience, uh, service manifest by Timothy, Paul goes on to say, look at Epaphroditus. And so look there with me. Look at old Epaphroditus in verse 30 and, five, and, and previous to that. He came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his own life to make up for what was lacking in your ministry to me. Well... Look at how he described Epaphroditus there and earlier. He was a man, by the way, who was sent with a message and a gift to minister to that church. But while there, he became very sick and almost died, Paul said. But can you imagine going as a personal attendant to a man who's under a death sentence? See, Paul, when he wrote this, he's under a death sentence and he's, he could die any moment. And imagine going saying, I'm his assistant. That puts you at risk right there. But he physically became sick almost to the point of death. And then later he tells us he was homesick. So Epaphroditus had his own struggles. But he's described as a what? A fellow worker? A fellow soldier? He's described as a brother? Which by the way is the highest thing you can call each other in a church or sister. 
He is described as a messenger, your messenger. He's described as a minister. And he considered the cause of Christ more important than even his own life. We need to have that kind of risky gambling. In that sense, it's good. Kind of spirit that says, I will do anything for someone else. I will do anything for someone else. I We'll take that risk. By the way, in 252 A.D., city of Carthage, the plague broke out. Some say over half the population died of the plague. People threw dead bodies out into the street and ran to the hills for their lives, fearing that they might catch it as well. Sounds a little bit like something we've gone through. The pastor in Carthage called for the church to come together and said, we are the ones that should be taking care of the sick and dying. And they became known as the Parabolani, the Parabolani, which is translated the gamblers, for taking their own lives at risk. They went into the homes and ministered to the sick. And when people died, they're the ones who took the dead bodies to be disposed of properly. It was the Christians of Carthage who saved that city because they risk even their own lives. But today, what would we be doing? I'm not getting near that. I got to take care of me. I got to take care of my own. I got to take care of all that matters to me. But there is in true Christianity, there should be in the Christian an almost reckless courage that says, I'm ready to gamble it all. But we clutch our dollars and our talents and our resources and say, i got to take care of me. But the Bible says if you want to be adequate, you're willing to give it up. You have, must have a selfless spirit. And that takes time, doesn't it, friends? How many of us are there totally? None of us yet. The third and last the one who seeks to become adequate in Christian service is the consistent one. It's the consistent one. One old writer, one preacher, uh, old pastor said the seasoning shows up in the proof of ministry. Timothy was a well-tried minister of the gospel. He proved himself qualified. Look at verse 22. His virtue as a spiritual son was manifest by his consistency. He has shown me that he will do what needs to be done. He has a what kind of character? A proven character. Because he served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. So Timothy had manifest that he was not a person who was a mediocre substitute. He had proven that he was someone who consistently served well. To be truly adequate means that we must be consistent. To be truly adequate means that we must be consistent. You see, the one who truly makes a mark for Christ is not a flash in the pan. Leave that up there just for a moment. I've told you before, you remember I went and visited a friend in Fayetteville. He loved to build guns. And I've told you, what does a flash in the pan mean? Well, in the olden days, the old flintlock pistols and rifles had a little pan and they would double cock the trigger and you put some of the powder in the pan 
And then you put the rest of the powder in the barrel and you'd have to stuff it in. And the way those ancient weapons would work is that, that, and by the way, have you ever heard someone say, don't go off half cocked? Because they had two lot, you had to lock, pull it back twice to get it to be fully cocked. But once in a while it would not be loaded quite correctly and the flash, the pan would flash. The spark would go off and the pan would look like, oh, we got this thing, but the bullet never came out of the barrel because it was loaded incorrectly. That's why it's called a flash in the pan. And I've known a lot of Christians just like that. They look good. They talk a good talk. They can use the holy language of Zion, but do nothing. Nothing in witness and ministry. Give me a rough person who may not know all the right words, but are doing what they need to do. You see, the one who really, truly makes a mark for Christ is not the flash in the pan, but the consistent godly servant. The one who stays with the task. The one who doesn't give up when the going gets tough. Woman that I love very much. I hope she'll come sing for us sometime. But anyway, don't need to go into all that detail. But she tells of a time when she and her husband got first got married. She said she likes to argue, and she does. And said, I'll never forget it. Listen carefully. She said, my daddy taught me how to leave. Her daddy had left the family years ago. My daddy taught me how to leave, but my husband taught me how to stay. Woohoo! That's consistency. That's staying with it. How many of you ever been to Yellowstone National Park? Raise your hand. I didn't say seen it on TV, but have you actually been there? In person, seen it. Well, if you go there, there's something that everybody wants you to see. It's a geyser called Old Faithful. Now, you may not know this if you didn't go there and stay a long time. It's not the highest geyser in the park. There are geysers that are much higher and much bigger and much more dramatic than Old Faithful. But you can tell by the name what makes Old Faithful so special and why they built an entire visitor center around it is because every 65 minutes, just like clockwork, the thing goes up, sprays water everywhere. Old faithful. You may not have the highest. You may not be the brightest. You may not be the biggest splash in Christianity. But if you're consistent overall, long term, you're going to have a much greater life for the Lord than anyone else. Those who truly make a mark for Christ are not the flash in the pan, but those who manifest a true consistency. There is a persistence that we desperately need. So, as we close, let us pray that God will make us adequate, that God will make us truly adequate and usable for His service. And what are the three characteristics that we need? Look at them last. Say them out loud with me. Number one, true sympathy. Number two, selfless spirit. Number three, consistency. Say it again. Number one, true sympathy. Number two, selflessness. And number three, consistency. Oh, God, help us to be adequate for your service and be like young Timothy and be like Epaphroditus and show forth the ministry in action, not just in words.
Pray with me. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your precious word, your powerful word. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would receive our hearts even now. God, we see what these men were like. And God, we want to be like that too. We want to grow to that point of maturity where we are truly selfless and truly sympathetic and truly consistent. Forgive us for those times, Lord, when we've not. Forgive us for those times, Lord, when we have been self-centered and self-focused and lacked the true sympathy and mercy that you gave to us. Forgive us, Lord, for those times when we've been inconsistent and lacked dependability. Oh, God, help us to be like young Timothy and young Epaphroditus who ministered so strongly and faithfully when it was good and when it was bad, when it was easy, when it was hard. God, may we be like that. But I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place today that we would say yes to you, beginning a relationship of following you, that it might be said of us at the end of our days, he or she was a true Christ follower. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.